Refreshing, delicious and packed with the good stuff. It's The Juice with Louise Wilkinson on Newcastle Live Radio. It is Therapy Thursday and that means it's time to welcome back our resident psychotherapist, Tony Knight, to the show. Hello, lovely. Hello, Louise. How are you? I'm great for this Thursday. Um, I'm glad to see that uh, it we're not uh, in in the arc this week, at least. It's drying out a little bit. Um, Thank goodness for that, eh? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, I had a, a friend that I, I watched take a tinny to their front door um, this week on Facebook. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> crazy times. The, crazy the times. times we're in, yeah. Absolutely. Now, today we're going to talk about something um, that you have a particular interest in. I know one of your one of your um, superpowers is talking about burnout, and I always get a lot out of those discussions. But this one is also very close to your heart, and this one is about emotional abuse. It is, and I like to think of it as the other form of overwhelm. So if burnout is overwhelmed, that relates primarily to to work. It is. It is described, um, you know as, you know, being clapped out in other aspects of life. But it's, you know, burnout's primarily related to work. But another form of overwhelm that we see more often in relationships relates to emotional abuse and Mm. neglect. Okay. Mm. And it is a particular area of interest to me. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this can show up in, uh, you know, a variety of ways, I suppose. I mean, there is the overt so mm-hmm. um, yelling, you know, um, putting down, you know, and that's very obvious and, and very easy to identify, I guess. Mm-hmm. But we were talking a little bit off air and you said that um, a lot of your clients um, have experienced emotional abuse but don't actually realise that they've experienced emotional abuse. Exactly right. So, so I'm a trauma therapist and, you know, everyone knows – what they believe trauma to be, you know, and that's going to be some of the more obvious um, things, you know, like, you know, physical and sexual abuse, um, you know, as well as, you know, accidents and things like that, but natural disasters and so on. But um, an even higher percentage of my clients have experienced emotional abuse and neglect. Mm. Uh, And so it does have a very significant impact on how we view ourselves and on how we do relationships. But the key here, the reason that it is also such an issue is because people normalise their childhoods. And so, you know, people don't recognise until, you know, we've had a bit of a chat that in actual fact, you know, quite a few of the things that their parents did as kids would have been emotionally abusive or neglectful. Um, and it wasn't okay. Mm, yeah, and that can obviously show up later in life and um, mm-hmm. we're wondering why we have these relationship patterns and, you know, why we have fears around certain things and, and that sort of yeah. thing where it, you know, and, and it doesn't even occur to us that that could have um, come from, from something that we've learned as kids. That's right. That's right. Because we normalise our childhood and assume that what we go through is normal and, you know, isn't that what everyone experiences? You know, when we get to adulthood and we're, we're finding that we're struggling with anxiety or depression or, a, 
you know, we don't quite know who we are or what we stand for. Um, and then we get into relationships and, you know, either take very little responsibility for our actions or, you know, in the case of my clients, over-responsible, sort of, you know, quite, you know, codependent behaviours, if you like, you know, taking too much responsibility for other people. It's not until we get to those situations that we go, hmm, what's wrong with me? Why am I doing this? And, you know, my clients tend to think that, you know, they're, they're broken or, you know, that there's something not right about them. And it certainly feels that way for them. That's absolutely true. It feels that way. But the truth is they're not broken. There's nothing wrong with them. What I find in all cases is that they have learned to adapt to care, parents and carers who um, have not been able to provide adequately for their emotional needs. And sometimes that's in more subtle ways mm. and sometimes that's in very obvious ways. So there's a really big range of behaviours that we're talking about here, but there is nothing wrong with them. That's the key thing here. There's nothing wrong with my clients. There's nothing wrong with people who feel that, you know, they're doing relationships wrong or that they are somehow wrong. Yeah, Absolutely. And I guess I, I did watch um, something on Facebook and it, w- it was talking about this. I mean, good old Facebook. Learn a lot. Jeez. There you go. There down, you go. You found something useful there, did you? Down the rabbit hole again, Tony. I mean, you know. Um, <laughs> but it did say that um, in terms of uh, apportioning blame, it said your parents did the best that they could do with the information that they had at the time. You know, we have a lot more information, a lot, we're a lot more aware. So it's not about apportioning blame to parents, but it's possibly about the discussion we're having today, recognising that this may be something that is informing our relationships now. That's exactly right, Louise. When I work with people and they do identify that relationship between, you know, their earlier life and the way their emotions, their, you know, their wants, their needs were, you know, denied or belittled and the way they're functioning now. When people make that connection, it's important to understand that blaming your parents just isn't going to work as a strategy because you're right. They did do the best they could under the circumstances. And honestly, many of our parents also had their emotional needs neglected or abused. So it's it, it's it's usually part of a generational cycle where everyone's doing the best they can. And so the information about, you know, where their emotional, you know, problems are coming from is really to help to help them to find some self-compassion, to understand that there's nothing wrong with them. But it's not just about self-compassion. It's not just the fact that they're bad people. This is about recognising that although they couldn't do anything about it when they were little. There's a lot that they can do about it now. This is something that can be treated. It can be changed. People can heal. They can grow. They can learn how to not only meet their own emotional needs and others' emotional needs, um, but they can also provide um, for, for others as well. So, there's a lot that can be done. Absolutely. Well, what, look, what we might do is, Tony, we'll take a short break and when we come back, we might talk about the types of, of behaviours uh, that constitute emotional abuse and then 
if we recognise that as adults, that we may have gone through this, what we might be able to do about it. We'll be right back with Tony Knight on Therapy Thursdays here on The Juice. We're back here on Therapy Thursdays with our resident psychotherapist, Tony Knight, and today we're talking about emotional abuse. Now, we've dived into uh, the fact that sometimes what we've experienced as children can actually inform our adult relationships and show up in ways that we're not expecting as adults. So now we're going to get into what actually constitutes emotional abuse, and it might not be the overt abuse that you're all thinking about. Tony. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's right, Louise. What we've been saying here is that um, physical or sexual abuse is one thing, but um, more often, I think, um, there is emotional abuse and people don't identify it because they think their childhood is normal Mm. um, and that there was nothing wrong because their parents didn't hit them. So, you know, there are different types of emotional abuse and Some of them are more obvious than others. So if you've got a parent that is highly emotional, for example, they may be the kind of parent that, you know, screams and yells or that is emotionally very cold and sort of, you know, can cut you down with words, can be quite critical, um, you know, very reactive to what happens. The kind of parent that you probably find yourself walking on eggshells around and you even feel a sense of stress or anxiety around them. You know, you may even feel a sense of shame when you're around them because, you know, they they put you down a lot. Yeah. Um, So, you know, that's probably the more obvious forms. But there's some more subtle ones as well which still leave their mark. And I'm talking here firstly about a parent who is relatively, um, you know, driven and probably over-responsible for their kids. Um, And so, you know, will um, care and do things for you whether you want it or not. Um, Maintains too close a ties. This is the type of parent that is typically enmeshed with Mm. their kids um, where, you know, they will, you know, strive to ensure that their kid does the best no matter what, runs Mm. the show, fixes everything, Um, you know, and just insist that that's the way it's going to be, whether you like it or not. Mm. Um, And so, you know, they can produce kids that are, you know, very high achievers, but, but, you know, can in some cases, not all, but in some cases pay a price um, for not having their needs met. So it's sort of, you know, it may be in the interest of the child, but quite often it's in the interest of the parent. That, that this kind of driven behaviour happens. Yeah, okay. And then you've got a, a third type, which is the type that's probably least identified as emotional abuse and neglect. And this is a laissez-faire or passive parent. And so they can come across as quite loving and fun. They're the kind of parent that can be your best friend um, and, and can from time to time show, you know, affection and intimacy but, you know, usually um, can't be there for you when you need a parent. Um, and so, you know, they may not be overly affectionate. They may allow abuse to um, continue within the family. You know, they tend to be kind of fairly hands-off, often emotionally quite distant. But as I said, because they were fun and this didn't necessarily yell or, you know, force you to do things, 
you know, we can quite often remember those parents quite fondly. And look, there is some substance to that. But it doesn't take away from the fact that these parents tend to abdicate their responsibility for ensuring that you are, are safe, that you are nurtured, that you are protected um, from whether it's from siblings, from other adults or even the other parent. And I see a lot of that as well. Mm, yeah. And that's really interesting, isn't it? Because it isn't when you say that passivity, it, you know, I guess as as children, we do need that love and that fun and that and and feeling relaxed around the parent. But at the same time, we also need to feel like they've got us. So yes. yeah, so that's right, mm. that's right. And and so those parents tend to be remembered very fondly, as I said. Um, but they weren't necessarily around to protect us or to hold us when we needed them. Yeah. And I'm sort of thinking about, um, you know, some people that sort of I went to school with and, um, you know, whether they were because they were, like their parents were working all the time or because they were just, you know, whatever, you know, um, wanted to be the cool parent. You know, we always mm-hmm. thought that they were cool because they could; those kids could get away with anything. So they could be out till eleven o'clock at night, and why can't I be out till eleven o'clock at night? And yeah. you know, um, yeah, you that's know. the kind of thing we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and mm. um, and so I guess that hands off. While it might seem cool to to you who has to have lights out at nine o'clock, uh, you know, sort of create some issues as they get older. Yeah, absolutely it does, yeah. Um, Sometimes in some cases we can find ourselves perpetuating the kind of, um, you know, emotional uh, abuse or neglect that our parents visited on us. Um, Sometimes we can actually swing the other way and become the exact opposite. Mm. Um, And so I guess moving past these kinds of, you know, unfortunate styles of parenting, and I'm not saying, by the way, that everyone has it, I mean, I'm sure we can identify faults, if you like, in our parents. I'm talking, though, more about, you know, persistent styles of parenting that people were exposed to. And there's, there's really quite a lot of it about. Mm. But getting past it is about, first of all, I think being able to draw that line, as I said, between what we experienced and where we are now, to know that we're not bad, faulty or wrong mm. um, when we do show up with problems. But it's also about starting to reconnect with the things that are going to help us. And so this is about reconnection with our self-worth, you know. This is about reconnecting with hope that we can make change. I think it's also about reconnecting with our values. It's going through a deliberate process of working out what matters to us in life. Who do we want to be, you know, from day to day? What are the things that light us up that we want to aim and strive for? Because a lot of people who had who experienced um, emotional abuse and neglect didn't get a strong sense of what mattered to them because it was so much more about what mattered to the parent. Yeah. So, okay. you know, connecting with our values and our priorities. But also moving forward is about developing some skills as well if necessary. And so some of the skills that I help people to develop is being able to recognise when someone is emotionally immature because I guess that's probably what characterises adults that are emotionally abusive or neglecting is that they themselves have a level of emotional immaturity. Mm. 
Um, and unfortunately, many of us are attracted to similar people in partners. And so it tends to perpetuate at times these kinds of, you know, unhelpful relationships. So being able to identify someone who lacks emotional uh, maturity can be really helpful because what you can do then is learn to put proper self-protective boundaries in place. And that's very true also if, our, if we still have a relationship with our parents because in all likelihood if they, um, you know, don't see themselves as having a problem, then they're probably still very much the same people. They're probably still emotionally abusive and neglectful. And some of my clients have needed to sever ties with their parents. It's obviously the option of last resort, but mm. is necessary in some cases. Not an easy thing to do, but still an option. We have the right to choose who we associate with. And if some people are particularly difficult to be around, then we have the right to choose not to be around them. But if people want to have an ongoing relationship with their parents and other emotionally immature people, then what they can do is learn to protect themselves, to have to relate to other people, but not necessarily to have a close relationship with other people. So these are two different things. Mm. Learning how to communicate, learning how to be with that person in a way that is personally safe for us. Learning how to be assertive is usually a very big and important thing to learn. Not impossible. Yeah. Not impossible at all. Um, and for some people, actually remarkably easy, but nevertheless incredibly important um, to learn how to have appropriate boundaries with people who, for various reasons, growing up have not respected your boundaries. Yeah. So these are all things that people can take on and learn and do. And, you know, it does help them to strengthen their sense of self, to recognise that they are valued, that they're, they matter and their preferences matter, um, and they can heal and grow through these kinds of changes. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I love what you're saying about, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that um, people who come to see you that have, have been through this don't have a very clear uh, idea of what their values are or um, who they are because that's been dictated to them in some way. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. To varying extents, that's absolutely true. The other thing that um, people often need to learn is how to manage their emotions and other people's emotions effectively. Yeah. I call it emotional mastery. Mm. And it's not something that in general we learn much when we're younger, certainly not my generation anyway. Yeah. Um, but it, it is important to be able to deal with our own strong emotions and to know what to do with other people's emotions, you know, when they show up. So we're talking about relationship skills really, whether yeah. that's with your partner or with your parents or, or other people. And, again, because I'm talking about skills, these are things that can be learned. It's not like you're born with it or you don't, or, or you don't have it. Yeah. You know, this is something that you learn. Yeah, absolutely it is. And, you know, I sort of know, I mean, we, um, we're fairly sort of open on this show and, and I, I can really resonate with what you're saying about how, you know, until you kind of crack this and you realise that um, there's some work to be done, that you do attract the same sort of behaviours just with a different face. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because yeah. It's, it's familiar. It's very, 
Yeah, it's very subconscious. And I'm not saying that everybody does it, but there is a, a tendency for this to happen um, because um, this process called co-regulation, which is where we impact each other um, positively or otherwise at a very deep level, you know, it's that that sense that we click. Yeah. Um, kind of, as I said, happens subconsciously. And so even though we may not, you know, we may not have thought our relationship with our parents was healthy. Nevertheless, that was our normal. That That's what we know. And so we can often find that at a very subconscious level, we kind of click or understand or get or feel somewhat comfortable around people that may not necessarily be good for us. Uh, and so thus the importance of having skills and being able to do, recognise emotional immaturity and do something about it. It doesn't mean that the relationship is doomed if the other person is emotionally immature, but it does mean that we need to know how to nurture ourselves and protect ourselves and know where the boundaries are in those relationships. Yeah, 100%, Tony. And, you know, if if this is showing up for you, it might be worth we think nothing of dropping money on gym memberships uh, or diet plans. Uh, it may be worth having a look at uh, your relational health and someone like Tony Knight can absolutely help you with the skills and the tools that you might need to rectify that uh, in some capacity. And I would just say finally, Louise, that that's absolutely true. I would say to people, get help. This is a bit of a journey if you're not sure where to start. And and as I said at the beginning of this segment, it can just show up as overwhelm, overwhelming relationships, overwhelming, you know, us doing too much for other people. Um, And so get that help. Um, And also um, I imagine for many people this could be quite triggering information. So, you know, get in touch, whether it's with Lifeline 13, 11, 14, or, you know, some other form of help because this is something you you can do something about. Absolutely. Tony, this has been absolutely powerful on Therapy Thursday this week. I really thank you for bringing this to the table. You've been listening to Therapy Thursday with the amazing psychotherapist Tony Knight on The Juice.